drink beer. Think beer. You're listening to Broodlands. The oil of malts and juice of sprightly nectar have made my muse more valiant than Hector. That from writer Richard Brathwaite in the Barnabay Itinerarium from 16 and 38. That is the most elitist quote that you've ever posted. I know. I uh, handcrafted those two, uh, those few letters are. <laughs> and I always adhere to the style those of the Those few era. letters have you. They have me and I have them. <laughs> have I handcrafted them? Have yay, I? Yay, 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 I say. <laughs> Not nay. Sounds like the uh, old English. I know you don't watch the show, but they're trying to do an American horror story that's terrible. Aren't they all terrible? That's what I've always heard. Well, I'm saying the old English they're trying is especially terrible. Oh, I thought you meant the show was terrible, which is what uh, I've always heard. The first couple seasons were pretty good. It's pretty bad after that, though. So are they doing, like, Downton Abbey meets American Horror Story? It's, it's based on some, I guess, authentic thing that happened in one of the Carolinas, and it's haunting this house, and it's like uh, Kathy Bates, and these people are from uh, part of the Pilgrims or something, and they try to speak in this old English, and it's just not... It's not very good. Is that the Roanoke col- uh, Colony? That was it, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's a yeah. Welcome back to episode. Uh, well, welcome to episode 74 of <laughs> Bloods. Welcome back to the show. They, they just came to this episode, so you can't welcome them back. True. Uh, I mean, unless you paused it in the very beginning and then you restarted it, then welcome back. Yeah, but we're going to continue to ignore you. Right. Welcome to the show and welcome back to episode 74. Haha. Ha. Uh, we are here uh, once again in the uh, <laughs> lovely Bloods studios to drink beer and think beer. We are dog free this time. We're not Hopefully. there, we're here. We are here, not over there. Right. And hopefully the mic quality is a little bit better. And it's now, it's not then. But when will it be then? Soon. Let's talk Another about... updated reference, <laughs> Spaceballs for More the Millennials. For yes. So let's talk about some sad news we've missed the last couple of weeks. Oh. Uh, and again, pull out your tiny violins. Uh, Stone Brewing Company. They have decided that they are going, or they did, I'm sorry, not that they're going to, that they did lay off 5% of the workforce in the U.S. They decided that they did do that? They decided that they did do that. They decided to lay off 5% of the workforce. And they basically are blaming it on a couple of things. The uh, pressure from Big Beer. Sorry, I didn't know there was talking in that. They said because of the uh, Big Beer acquisition strategies, it's putting pressure on them. Uh, two, the continued explosion of microbrewers and craft brewers across the United States is reducing their sales. That makes sense. Yeah. So they said because their sales are falling domestically, they to keep their business uh, healthy, they have to reduce their workforce because uh, they're not selling as much as they used to. So, uh, Well, we've talked about that uh, here on the show before. You have those old standbys that you appreciate and are glad are there. Um, Stone's probably near the top of that list, actually, of those, but... Um, you know, your Stones, your Sierra Nevadas, your, uh, I don't know, just a lot of these big beer, uh, beers that have been around for a long time. And you know they're going to be there, the the Rogue, like a Dead Guy Ale or something. And um, you kind of take it for granted, and you go for other things. And that, on top of the fact that, at least Dallas, I think, is a good example, probably one of the better examples going of an explosion in local craft beer that's really good. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times you... I think that's pushing out the craft option at restaurants and things like that because they want to have the local, you know, I want the local beer. Yeah. And I want it cold in the glass. You know, well, they have to have that. It's that whole uh, farm to table mentality that Absolutely. has really taken hold in our, well, at least in many areas of the country. <laughs> and Stone and Sierra Nevada used to fill that void. Right. And now, you know, it's the even more local, uh, the actual true local, not just the yeah. non big beer. Right. Not the virtual local. Right. Yeah, it's true. The whole farm to table mentality is—it's—it's it's hitting. I'm sure it's hitting uh, 
probably some of the big farms, uh, especially as people grow more organic and go to more, probably not as bad as, as beer because you can distribute uh, beer sure. a lot. I want to say easier, but... Well, plus you have all the big companies like your Nabisco's or whatever that yeah. are still going to use all the GMO'd up, everything. Yeah, true. They don't care. Yeah. They just want it cheap. Yeah, true. And you have government subsidies that help out some of that stuff, um, but, which they don't... They're, not, they're probably not going to give that to hop farmers and stuff and... Uh, I, I don't know. That's that's uh, not that hot farmers are having the problem, but these these craft brewers aren't going to be in that mix at all, like uh, like those farmers would be. Well, one thing for restaurants though is that if they're going to specialize in farm to table, it means that their food costs are going to be higher. True, uh, because uh, smaller farmers, smaller amount of uh, meat. If you're just talking cows, for instance, uh, probably a pretty good demand for it. So you're probably going to pay a higher price. Plus, you're paying for a higher uh, cut of beef uh, or a better cut of beef, anyways. Sure. Uh, not to speak of organic vegetables and all that other jazz. So they, they're going to pass it on to the consumer in some ways, and they'll, they'll have to take a hit. And if they take any kind of uh, customer hit, they're going to really take it in the shorts for that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yep. I can't say I blame Stone. I, I admit they even admit in their statement here that it's at a bit of a juxtaposition from they expanded to two breweries in Europe this year. Right. And But they see an opportunity in Europe to go after... Uh, there, there's a lot more people they feel like are a better chance to make themselves more well known over there and they can increase their sales globally instead of just concentrating domestically which I, I get I understand sure and I think they're I think the first American brewery to open another satellite brewery in another in uh, Europe the satellite I boy I could, I could be wrong yeah probably am but they might be I don't I don't know that yeah. um, but you know that kind of piggybacks on the story we had. Um, a couple weeks ago, where we were talking about um, the fact that all the brew pubs and everything are all kind of owned by the big multinationals and stuff right. over there. So you're kind of getting homogenized beer. So I, I imagine there might be um, more of an opportunity in Western Europe, uh, maybe all of Europe, but I would think Western Europe especially, to expand the craft beer uh, scene and to bring things like an American IPA and things into the fold over there that are not as widely available or known. Right. Yeah, they're not. I mean, they don't get as many American IPAs over there, obviously. And I, <laughs> sure. think, I think BrewDog just released one. Was that the Elvis Juice? I think they was an American IPA we talked about. Um, I don't. Yeah, it might have been. It was citrusy based, as I yeah. remember. But yeah, but, they, but yeah, I mean, to get the the West Coast flavor over there, that, uh, that requires remembering things from a couple weeks ago. Yeah, true. Done a lot of cracks since then. Yeah, absolutely. But one thing for Stone is at least they're not closing their doors. They're not closing the brewery. Uh, they're not selling themselves out, unlike Brooklyn Brewery just did. Sure. They decided that they were going to sell a 25% stake to Kieran Ichiban, the makers of the Kieran Ichiban beer. So well, they are allowed to, according to the Craft Brewers Alliance, they are allowed to still call themselves a craft brewer. So. I was going to say, it's not a full, it's not a full sellout. Yeah, it's not a full sell like we're going to talk about Ballast Point today. They sold for a billion dollars to Constellation, sure. who makes Med- Modelo. It's not that big, but uh, it does give them an entry point into the Asian market, I'm sure, of course, being based out of Japan and probably um, Western Asia, like Russia, maybe, or, or things like that. True. So, yeah, I mean, I, ca- I can't say I blame these guys for wanting to... When you start seeing the shrinking domestic market, because everybody's going, like we said, more farm-to-market, uh, that's... They they have to counteract that somehow, and so they one way they see to do that is to go global. And I can't say I blame a lot of them now. I don't like them completely selling out like Ballast Point. Right. But taking an infusion of cash is not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, as long as they, again, as long as they adhere to the principles, and as long as they're not totally controlled by Big Beer, well, you know. And they, you know, they kind of, it's kind of a feeding frenzy for the market. It is. Right now, like, I mean, obviously what we just said about uh, Stone. So I kind of understand the the minor partnerships like that. Um, I'm not, like you, I'm not 
like excited about it or happy about it, but um, I, I kind of understand it. Yeah, I do too. And uh, they got to compete in, in this big this big market where big beers coming after all of them, and they're trying to stay alive, stay alive, and stay independent somehow. Sure. So I can't I can't blame them at all. But uh, speaking of acquisitions, uh, probably the leading homebrew supply store, I would guess, at least in the United States, Northern Brewer, yeah. is, has been acquired by AB and Bev. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, man, that sucks. I did not yeah. know that. They said that it, it was acquired by ZX Ventures, which is the global disruptive disruptive growth unit of AB and Bev. <laughs> that sounds like somebody that should just be coming into like, machine guns and yeah. <laughs> all decked out in a, some kind of camo or something. Why would you sell out to something that sounds so evil, <laughs> a global disruptive growth unit? It like, sounds very evil, yes. I mean, they get, uh, Just in the title, I think they're trying to disrupt the growth <laughs> of craft beer. Globally. Globally, yes. Yeah. And because they have that power. Yes, they do. I envision they all wear black and white suits and they carry guns and wear shades. That's true. Much like in the Matrix, I can imagine the uh, local uh, the local home brewer supply over here in Richardson is not going to be too happy about this. Oh yeah, I'm none sure. of those guys. They'll, they'll probably go ahead and boot Northern Brewer out of their stuff. Oh, I, I would imagine so. <laughs> I, uh, they say that this is about growing their company and providing their customers with unparalleled opportunities. This deal will make us stronger and able to pursue our passion with even greater focus, better tools, and ingredients. Yeah, we'll see about that. Well, see, it's weird to me. I mean, maybe maybe they're in the same boat as craft brewers are, but I would think they wouldn't be because I would think the supplier of people that want to homebrew, I would think that would be an industry that's growing because more people are interested in craft beer. Yeah. So this, I'm kind of surprised they would need to do this kind of sellout. I'm kind of, I kind of am surprised that they would even attempt to make this move given the market that they serve of an indie crowd that will accuse just about anybody of selling out and this is for for a site that's supposed to celebrate right. the punk band so to speak to use a metaphor uh is totally selling out to A&R you know it's it's a total sellout yeah it's how do they sell out to the man out. out of a lot of these companies they I seem mean, like the one that wouldn't do it. The only way they could do this is if they want to start distributing or selling to, I don't know, more market, like European markets or something. But I guess, but why do you need AB and Bev's cash for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, like I said, I just, I feel like this is a different category than, I agree. Um, you know, like Brooklyn or uh, whoever else has done it. Didn't Founders also sell part of their uh, stake? Yeah, too? I can't remember who they um, sold to. But whoever it is, like there's people that are selling like a 20, 25% stake for expansion um, and where they're actively selling a product that needs shelf space in a market that is saturated by several different sources. Right. I think that's different than Northern Brewer, who's like you said, like the biggest of the big dogs in home brewer supply. And I don't feel like there's going to be like a ton of home brewer supply companies popping up and saying, I want a share of that huge market. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I feel like they just, they were already dominating it. They were already the, I mean, they weren't this, but they were already the end bev of home brewers. Yeah. <laughs> so like, why yeah. do you, why do you need that? I don't know. Yeah. I wonder how this is going to, how home brewers will react to this and where they'll start getting their equipment from if they don't have a local shop, for instance. Sure. I mean, you can always go through Amazon, but we bought from Northern Brewer before. I mean, they've been great in the past. Sure. And I really, really regret this. I'm pretty sure their stuff was on the shelves at the local homebrew place here, too. Oh, I'm and sure And we've gotten their stuff. Yeah. Maybe where they get all the supplies. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, there's other sources. But yeah, so many acquisitions, so much sad news. But hopefully, we can move on to something a little more happy, although we're talking about another acquisition. <laughs> we are. From Constellation Brands, we're talking about Ballast Point. Ballast Point.
There are so many types of beer brewed today. Everything from the generic light lager to the triple mango IPA has made its way to your local beer store shelf. Some of these styles are noticeably different, yet others aren't. Two common basic styles that many of us have issue distinguishing from one another are the classic porter and its big brother, the stout. The first of the two styles to make an appearance was the porter. This showed up in London in the 1700s. The dark, medium-bodied beer was a hit amongst the strong, portly workers who drank it. Hence came the name, Porter. But as with anything, these porters were not the end of the beer experimentation. Brewers quickly wanted more body and more alcohol. From these desires, a stout was born. A stout, in its original form, was just a strong, stouter version of a porter. At its conception, it was even called a stout porter. The reason people have issue with keeping this formula straight today is the fact that brewers have since crossed the paths of porters and stouts. Many craft brewers have created porters that are stouter than your average stout, and vice versa when it comes to stouts. Some brewers still determine the difference based on the malt that is used within each style. Porters generally use malted barley, and stouts unmalted roasted barley. This is not a hard and fast rule in the industry, however. In the same way some pale ales taste more like IPAs, and vice versa, the porter and stout dividing line has blurred dramatically since the stout's creation. The brewers themselves often cross the lines of the source material, making it difficult for the nerdiest beer nerd to fully define why a beer is called one or the other. The debate rages on, so grab your favorite stout porter or portery stout and discuss. So Ballast Point recently sold Constellation Brands for $1 billion. And like I said earlier, uh, off here, very Dr. Evil friendly. Yes, absolutely. And we declined to take these guys on before they got acquired by Constellation. So they've been in the queue for a long time. So we finally decided to pull the trigger. And now we have to because we are also owned by Constellation. So they're requiring us <laughs> hey, to cover it. I'm not saying I wouldn't take an acquisition of, <laughs> or an infusion of cash. And, uh, uh, we're independent um, unless you want to buy us Constellation. All we need is like 30 bucks to pay for the servers every month. And that would go a long way. <laughs> there you go. It's a very cheap acquisition. Sure. So, something that gets us out of the red would be nice. We'll talk about Batch 19 again. Although sure. That's more corzy, but Negro Modelo is great. It is the best beer of all the Modellos. <laughs> that that is actually a true statement. Oh, one thing I was going to mention earlier that uh, some people I should have totally mentioned this, but this guy recently got back from GABF and he said at the conference this is speaking of the stone reduction. By the way, while I'm thinking about it, uh, he was in. The, they were talking about the reason for declining sales, and part of the reason is that the stupid millennial prefers the 18 to uh, 34 crowd. I guess it's 21 to uh, 34. Anyways, they prefer Mexican imports. Oh, really? Okay. Yes. So your Modelo's, your Tecates, all those are seeing apparently seeing an increase. All the generic uh, standard loggers and light loggers? Yes. I don't understand that. I don't either. Stupid millennial. Stop it's, ruining everything. It's probably the same hipster group that likes Paps and all that kind of stuff. Stop bringing back jorts. Stop wearing skinny jeans. So it's the millennials and the hobbies that are yeah, doing that to it us. it is. It's totally. They're they're, they're responsible for yeah. bringing uh, or decreasing the sales of craft beer. Let's, it's hobby's fault. Let's get back to beards, cargo shorts, and heavy beers. That's right. <laughs> back <laughs> to the back good old to, days. Let's go back that way. Make beer great again. Now, Ballast Point... Um, they remind me in one way of our little local brewery called Lakewood and the fact that I feel like their big thing that they do is they like to experiment with their one big IPA, which I think every, anybody who has any Ballast Point exposure knows about the Ballast Point IPA. That is definitely their signature beer. The Sculpin IPA? Uh, yeah, the Sculpin IPA. Um, that one gets, uh, by the way, ratings-wise, that gets 100 in style and 100 overall. So uh, people seem to like that uh, like that IPA quite a bit. 
but they seem to like to mess with that one a lot. Uh, they they had the great uh, grapefruit version, the habanero version. Uh, I believe they add watermelon to that one and their double IPA. Uh, they seem to do like they seem to mess with it uh, every which way they can, basically. Um, and that's probably going to be the one you're going to get the most exposure with. Uh, you're also going to find those in the cans at uh, your standard Kroger or Seven uh, Eleven and stuff. Ballast points are very commonly. Uh, Common one to get uh, based on their Constellation Brands acquisition, I believe. And by the way, probably our arch nemesis as far as beer breweries go, at least so far, because they employ lots of fruit. And everybody knows we don't stand for fruit. Well, I mean, if we smash the fruit and then they use the fruit, I guess it's kind yeah, of a good... Yeah, if we do it, though. Yeah, that's but true. they're employing fruit. Oh, that's true. They do employ fruit. That's not as good. Yeah, I, I hear they treat them like Wagyu cattle. It's a bunch <laughs> of Fruit Loom characters eating Wagyu beef, roaming the grasses, free-range all day until they're ready to be killed. We employ just the most brutal attack methods because oh, yeah. we know how giant fruit men can come in and invade our lives, spoil everything, not just themselves. Giant fruit men is a it's a scary thing and ruin the world. It's yes. like a room full of mascots or something, you know? Yeah, exactly. But they're fruit, but fruit. Yeah. But then they're made of real fruit, so it's even scarier. Yes, and they rot within a week, which that, is a which even it's a terrible life, really. Worse. Yeah, I mean they're just like dying in the. It's like they're dying of a plague at the end of their life. It's yeah. terrible, and it's every week. Yeah, it's bad. Um. The the two really common ones that they have are the Sculpin and then the uh, the Ballast Point Big Eye IPA. So they they're definitely IPA fans. Um, the Big Eye IPA gets a ninety seven overall and ninety eight in style. Um, they also have the Victory at Sea Imperial Porter, which gets a hundred and ninety nine in style. Uh, then, like I said, they have the Grapefruit, which gets a ninety nine and hundred in style. Uh, which uh, I guess it does fit the IPA style. We can we can touch on the grapefruit here in a second, but uh, they have the Dorado uh, Double IPA Imperial IPA, which gets a 99 and a 97 in style. They have an Amber Ale that's actually in their top 10 uh, that gets a 90 and 98 in style. And then they have the Sea Monster Imperial Stout, uh, which is 98 and 97 in style. I think that's the first time I've ever seen an Amber rated that high. Yeah, I know. Um, and for me, I do... I've had most all of these at some point. Um, again, they're one of the bigger craft breweries that was uh, kind of in the mix, just like a Rogue or a Stone or something when I was first getting into craft beers, and not too long after that. They might not have been there right at the beginning, but they were there for a while. And I've I've always kind of liked them. They're, they seem like, I, you know, this amber notwithstanding, I've always thought of them as an IPA or a porter company, and that's pretty much it. You're going to get a... a really big porter you're going to get a really good ipa or a strong ipa right uh when i say really good i think they've missed on their off brands like the grapefruit um honestly i know i think you agree with me on that that it just doesn't taste much like grapefruit um so i, I don't really know what the point of it was they could have basically gone with a regular sculpin ipa and it'd be about the same yeah i would say the pineapple and the grapefruit both were big disappointments i'm not a grapefruit fan anyway so i, I sure. just had a couple of sips i would never if if we had to rank the fruits of least evil to most evil, grapefruit is is the big bad. He's the big monster at the end of uh, every season of Buffy. He is he's evil. The grapefruit is terrible. It's terrible for your body. Uh, it gives you nothing but headaches and is the walking plague. Well, to me, grapefruit's just like yeah. There's a grapefruit. Like yeah. I, I don't have a feeling on it. Like I would never reach for a grapefruit. I'd never really nobody, try to eat a grapefruit. Nobody reaches for grapefruit. I remember. I don't feel like he's evil. I feel like he's nothing. He's like the invisible fruit to me. Like I would just see. Overlook, you say that. Like I wouldn't even notice him in the fruit aisle. You say that, but I remember in the exercise revolution of the '80s. Back when jazzercising was a thing, and and our our food pyramid was well, I guess it's still wrong that you know you should be eating all these carbs first and eat very little meat or fat. Right. I remember when big fruit came along and pushed grapefruit to the top of the food chain, claiming 
that if you were to consume and like three or four grapefruit at a setting, that you would lose weight. I that you would become Superman. That yeah, exactly. You would become yes. You would be Popeye. You would have superpower. You become Gizmo Duck. Is it worth having superpowers to consume that much grapefruit? No. Yeah, that's not worth. It's not worth it to consume even one bite of grapefruit because it's the worst. (laughs) That's why Nos, the energy drink, uh, intriguing name named after uh, you know the accelerant for cars that's featured uh, quite heavily in the Fast Furious movies. Or the guy that was Uh, incarcerated in the HBO series that just came out. Or that the The night of yes, the, the worst energy drink. Why? Because they feature grapefruit heavily. Yeah, it's not a good. It's not a good energy drink. And their plant should probably be uh, exploded because of that. That's that's their fault. They should put real nas in there and then and light yes, a match. Real nas, no grapefruit. Right. Maybe, maybe then I would drink it. Yeah. But yeah, the grapefruit was a huge disappointment. I, even I've had a real grapefruit before. I vomited <laughs> promptly, but this didn't taste hardly anything like grapefruit. I wish and I could have had a real grapefruit. That's a real brag, just now, by the way. Conversely, I'm a big pineapple fan. Yeah. Pineapple mm-hmm. is a great fruit. That was that was a good choice. I have but, not had the habanero version, by the way. But, but the great, but the the pineapple was not a good beer. It fe- I feel like these these one offs, these fruity uh, IPAs, at least the way they're doing it, I feel like it removes much of which makes the original Sculpin stand out. Um, makes it less, it especially moves any kind of edge from the IPA, and just makes it kind of meh. Like the if you want a pineapple beer, fine. I sure. was enjoying a nice pineapple Fanta back in the day. And I was kind of expecting like a it, summer IPA with a kind of a fancy angle. And I got nothing. I got maybe just like a an angel's fart of pineapple. And he would do the Fanta dance just like the women. Yeah. Want the Fanta? Want the Want the Fanta? He's doing it right now. Is he right. I had my uh, fruit hat on and everything. <laughs> you changed quickly. That was that was <laughs> I impressive. I did. But yeah, haven't you had most of these, Mark? Most of these yeah. different. Yeah, I, it's been one that's been around. I haven't had the amber. Yeah, I haven't had the amber either, but I stay away from ambers. But other than that, I've had um, all of these, yeah. and um, I, I wouldn't say even the grapefruit ones that I'm not. It's not. I'm not a fan of it. It's not um, offensive, but there's but... there's a local uh, sports grill that is close to us, and that's usually what they always have on. That's one of their better beers. Yeah, so I will drink that every now and again. Sure, but it's not the one I would reach for if I had other better options. Right. Yeah. It's it's not an offensive IPA by any stretch. It's not yeah. a bad IPA, but I feel like it's not special either. It's not. Special. I feel like the grapefruit just removes any special quality from it, but not counteracting that with the heavier influence of that adjunct, whatever it is, pineapple or grapefruit. But, sure, absolutely. But it's been years since I've had the Victory at Sea. I can't even say I remember what it tastes like, but I know it's been a long time. But today we're going to take on a variant from that. The Peppermint Victory at Sea comes in at ABV of 10%, IBU of 60, and should be served in a snifter glass. The description is that this Peppermint Victory at Sea is a festive take on our popular Imperial Porter. We took our trademark robust porter, brewed with Cafe Calambria coffee and vanilla, and added a dose of refreshing peppermints. The trio of flavors play perfectly on your palate. The brew's sweet roastiness balances nicely with a cool minty finish. You might even call it a breath of fresh beer. Oh, hey, I won't. Hey, I won't, but uh, you could. thanks for trying. Yeah, you definitely could. So let's hear about the history of Ballast Point Brewing. Ballast Point Brewery is the brainchild of Jack White and his college roommate, Pete Ahern. While attending UCLA, Jack and Pete began homebrewing, finding out quickly how difficult it was to get quality and varied ingredients for the process. In 1992, Jack opened a homebrew store called Homebrew Mart, filling it with the proper materials to brew good quality beer. Pete pursued his beer passion by going to UC Davis and attaining his Master Brewer's Certificate. These two, together with Homebrew Mart employee Yusuf Cherney, a fellow award-winning homebrewer, began brewing in the back room of Homebrew Mart. In 1996, these efforts combined to become what we now know to be Ballast Point Brewery. Ballast Point's fish theme is quite deliberate. All three founders have a love of fishing and use the fish logos as a reminder to always do what you love. 
Shortly after the launch, co-founder Peter Hearn left the company to pursue a teaching career, sharing his homebrew knowledge with a new generation of beer lovers. In 2004, the main production facility of Ballast Point moved to a large production facility in Scripps Ranch. The brewery is still located there and continues to grow today. In 2014, Jack and Yusuf expanded beyond beer and began a new venture into spirits. Ballast Point Spirits now has 14 different offerings, all of which are made at the Scripps Ranch facility. So the BJCP for a Baltic slash Imperial Porter. I know that uh, Ballast Point says they based it on the Robust Porter, but BJCP puts it as an... They even call it an Imperial Porter on the bottle. True. So it, it BJCP considers the Baltic Porter the Imperial Porter. So we're going to go off of this category, which the overall impression is that it has malt flavors reminiscent of an English brown porter and the restrained roast of a Schwarz beer, but with a higher original gravity and alcohol content than either. That's- Very complex with multi-layered flavors. Commercial examples include the Ballast Point Victory at Sea, Evil Twin, Imperial Donut Break, and the Deschutes Black Butte. That's kind of how I like to describe you is you kind of have a restrained roast of a Schwartz burger. A, a Schwartz beer. Schwartz beer, yes. Yeah, does say burger? Yeah, beer. But without going for that, no, I go all the way to burn. burn. No, that's true. I'm a total, once you get to know me, I'm total burnt toast. Inside <laughs> and out. That's very true. Black in the soul, black outside as well. I, I have this black cloud around me constantly that just strikes everybody with lightning. <laughs> Pretty much. Of the human black cloud. And then, it, yeah, then it sears everyone else, and then they have the medium roast. Exactly. After that. <laughs> yeah, medium roast of humans. So what do you expect from this beer, Mark? Well, um, well, I'm expecting something that's probably going to be smooth, but what I'm afraid of is, I, or not afraid necessarily, I'm hoping it's not going to be. <laughs> you are quivering over there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, help me. <laughs> I'm so scared of this beer. What's that reference? I do not like the short beer. I don't know. I don't know what that's about. Uh, that's my California girl. Oh, okay. Yeah, Fair enough. California yeah. girl impression. <laughs> that sounds good. Uh, yeah, I went to Juilliard for that. That's what got me into the door of Juilliard, that impression. Is that also what got you kicked out of Juilliard? <laughs> yes. But like, that's that's all he can do. He does this one scared he nothing voice. nothing else. <laughs> like, it was okay at one point, but then that's all he, like, we try to ask any kind of character, he busts that out. He just always comes with, I'm so scared. <laughs> Play an English gentleman. Hello. I'm so scared. Hello. <laughs> Yeah, it's very limited. Basically, I would start every sentence with, I'm so scared. Yeah. Even if my lines were... Even if it's like a happy movie. Yeah, or a Shakespearean sonnet. It was always right. started with, I'm so scared. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the very beginning of any kind of standard English play, and he just starts it out with that. So I got into Juilliard and kicked out of Juilliard one day. Yes. And now I find myself here leading a very low-rated beer podcast. <laughs> what about low-rated? Well, rated? Well, yeah, it's rated. It's rated. Yes. So ratings uh, aside, yeah, I'm hoping it's not like a pack of carefree winter mint gum or something. Uh, and I don't want a burst of like I would rather see more Girl Scout thin mint than like a chocolatey minty, uh, rather than something like a pack of winter fresh gum. I don't think you're getting a winter fresh gum. I'm telling you, that's what I don't want. Sure, but when I think of peppermint, that's generally what I think of. Unless I also think of if I divert my thoughts to. Uh, back a common confection of my family for uh, presents in the stocking around Christmas time were those soft peppermints, the big chunky ones, you know? Sure. That are sweet with a hint of mint. Like a York peppermint patty? Uh, Not peppermint patties, but I'm talking like regular handmade peppermint. You know, small batch peppermint. Oh, well, it's the, it's I only the, got the commercial grade York. So. It's, it's, the si- it's like the size of like a medium dog's red rocket, about that size. Maybe maybe mm. lipstick if you like to go with that uh, metaphor. I mean, you do you do basically judge everything by, <laughs> by dog's right. red rocket size. Right. German Shepherd's Red Rocket. It's really crazy when he's talking. He's like trying to do distance between cities and stuff. It's so many Red Rockets. <laughs> exactly. 
It's like a, a trillion red rockets from here to there. <laughs> 2.3 red rockets from here. <laughs> I thought it was only a billion. No, I'm talking medium-sized dog red rocket. But it's really confusing because nobody knows when I, when I compare like a Chihuahua to a German Shepherd. Nobody really knows the standard uh, size for a German Shepherd red rocket. So. Right. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense to anyone but Mark. Right, I'm he's really the only going, one with the chart. All right, it's really yeah. I, <laughs> I'm proposing that all of our mileage signs in at least in this state go to Red Rockets. That's how he's going to change. That's how he's going to get Mapsco back in the fold. <laughs> yeah, Mapsco. <laughs> so he's going to put Red Rocket indicator in there <laughs> for the novelty. Everyone, screw will your get metric that. system. Screw the non-metric systems. Let's go for Red Rockets. <laughs> right. when it comes to measurements. Everyone can agree what a Red Rocket <laughs> is, but it has to be different qualifications. Obviously, so <laughs> true. One standard uh, standard unit Chihuahua Red Rocket. <laughs> well, rockets aside, makes things easier to say too when you have to name the dog and the Red Rocket. <laughs> That's true. You have a different uh, scale for each dog, right? Yeah, there's basically just the American Kennel Club standard size, right? What a exactly. Red Rocket should be for like a Basset Hound or something. <laughs> so it'll be a cross promotion with the American Kennel Club. I wonder if the Kennel they'll, Club they'll help bring yeah. Mapsco back. Yeah, I'm back sh- in the fold. I'm pretty sure in the uh, the, the big dog show every year. Uh, they're best in show every year. That they're part of the uh, procedures when uh, I guess identifying that dog and see how well he lives up to standards is measuring the red rocket. Sure. Now if- it's going to be red rocket brought to you by Mapsco. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but that aside, but yeah, I'm not hoping for uh, winter fresh uh, red rockets in my mouth either. So I, I want something cho- chocolatey minty and but, chocolatey, but, but not not uh, eating a pack of gum. That's going to be the, idi- the uh, idiocracy version of chocolate will be chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. <laughs> now, for me, I, I'm kind of expecting more of that York peppermint patty taste with maybe a little more porter and like a little more chocolate than that. But I, I expect it to just be like a a brief kind of secondary refreshment of pepper. I don't think, or peppermint. I don't think that's going to be like candy cane peppermint taste. I think right. it'll be more like a York peppermint patty peppermint taste where it'll be subtle kind of cooling but it won't be overwhelming yeah i definitely don't want candy cane i want no. i want uh just standard uh like the the, the red rocket peppermints right the, su- the sweet with a hint of peppermint to them not 90 percent peppermint five percent sweet five percent some other substance we can't identify no i'm gonna i'm gonna assume it's subtle we're not yeah. subtle but it's going to lay nicely amongst the other flavors of the victory at sea beer I'll put now, it that way. The aroma for this beer should be rich to malty sweetness, often containing caramel, toffee, nutty to deep toast, complex alcohol, reminiscent of plums, prunes, raisins, cherries, or currants, occasionally with a variant port-like quality, no hops, no sourness, very smooth. What's a deep toast? Like, a, it's almost black toast, but it's oh, not okay. light toast. It's not even medium. It's somewhere between medium and dark toast. Oh, okay. So I just you, I just call it burnt toast. If you don't touch me, but you're not a red rocket away, <laughs> then you'll get deep toasted. So is deep toast like a nice way of saying burnt toast? No, no. Burnt toast is burnt toast. Okay. I mean, that's bitter. Deep toast, again, is somewhere between medium and burnt. Okay. He's chocolatey. <laughs> He's, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. I, I think I get the scale now. There's definitely a hint of... this. To me, this definitely smells a lot like the liquid uh, Mint, which is a lot like the Girl Scout Cookies Thin Mint. Uh, it's not as strong as that. It definitely has a, a more pepperminty smell, a more balanced than the Thin Mint does. Now, as someone, not to brag, but that has had a victory by sea not that long ago, a regular one, um, it, it doesn't taste that, or doesn't smell that different uh, from that. It has a little bit of a, like you said, it has a little bit of that thin minty aroma as well, but a lot of it is the regular victory by sea smell, or aroma, which yeah, you, is not a bad thing. You definitely get the uh, deep toast 
chocolatey notes to that uh, with a with a strong malt profile to that. But I feel like the peppermint is kind of it's there, but it's kind of subtle. It, and I, yeah, it's real subtle. It's 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 a popcorn fart on the top of the, of yeah. the taste or the uh, odors, so to speak. It's the odors, yes. Odors, the, the aromas. Odors yes. has such a bad connotation, negative connotation to it. I know we had that. We've tried to get you off the odorous talk, but you just yes. keep going back to it. That's your thing. But the peppermint is very very light. Now the appearance should be dark reddish copper to completely brown, uh, but not black. The uh, should have a thick, persistent tan colored head, clear. Although darker versions can be opaque. This is pretty much completely opaque. I was going to say it's pretty black. It doesn't look like it has a lot of a lot of variance in there. Um, it's it's not black. It is a dark brown for sure. It's it's dark brown to almost completely black. It's almost burnt toast. It's in appearance. It's very opaque though. I mean, there's no oh, yes. there's no light getting through this thing. Oh yes, it's like a black hole of beers for sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you may be right. It's not quite completely black, but it's it's definitely on the almost black spectrum. Yes, it's, I'll put it's it that all- way. It's it's right on the cusp there. Uh, this beer is not black. It's brown. It's thoroughly brown, but it's not black. Yeah. I mean, it's so opaque. It's reflective of your monitor lights. Yes. I mean, there's no, there's nothing. There's nothing getting through it. I'm thinking about filling up a uh, 64 ounce growler of just this beer. A clear growler, and then using it for a fourth monitor. You could. Just to reflect, but I'm going to put it behind my head so I like river mirrors. River. River mirrors. A river mirror, river. yes. <laughs> um, and, you know, it retains a nice head. Uh, that head's staying there. It's a, it's kind of a kind of a velvety, uh, not velvety, but kind of a vanilla-looking head. Uh, a little bit darker than that, I guess. But it's probably about a couple centimeters thick, and it's really not receded at all. It has not receded. I agree with you there. Now, I will not say that it's thick. You don't think so? It poured a little bit thick, but it didn't remain thick. Uh, It seems thick to me. It's not like one of those thin heads where it has a big hole in the middle and it's just kind of on the outside. I mean, it's completely a full head across the whole glass. Now, we are drinking two different sized snifters here. (laughs) True. So I will say that your head is bigger than my head. Yeah. Well, if we we just go compare heads to heads Heads to heads. Which is what we're doing. Yeah. So I I can only speak to my head. I can't see your head because it's, you know, behind the... Massive amount of monitors. Well, your your glass is more lengthy. Mine is more girthy. Okay. So, well, there you go. Yeah. yeah. So it's just what kind of head you want. Yeah. Whatever kind of head you want. You sure. have a, a bigger head, but uh, mine's a squattier body. More there, girthy for sure. There you go. Teach his own, you know. Yeah. Whatever works for you. Right. Absolutely. But at least now everyone knows going in. Yeah. It's the motion of the mash that counts. Absolutely. So flavor should be a rich malty sweetness with a complex blend of deep malt, dried fruit esters, and alcohol is a prominent yet smooth Shores beer-like roasted flavor that stops short of burnt. Again, deep roasted or deep <laughs> deep burned or whatever they called it. Yeah, uh, deep, deep toast, toast. Yeah. mouth filling and very smooth. Medium low to medium bitterness from malt and hops, just to provide balance. Mouthfeel, Dr- sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Mouthfeel should be quite full-bodied and smooth with a well-aged alcohol warmth and medium to medium-high carbonation. And this is actually a higher ABV than most of them uh, in this in this particular category. Uh, I was just going to say the dried fruit esters sounds like a girl punk band from the 90s. <laughs> the dried fruit esters? Yeah. <laughs> Something that would have shown up in uh, 10 Things I Hate About right, You. Right, exactly. They played it They played at the end of the credits after uh, Letters to Cleo. Right, exactly. They, and they weren't on the top of the roof. <laughs> they were somewhere in the parking garage. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, it was on the cutting room floor, but they were there. They were there. You just don't know. Right. They're on the, uh, the fourth release of the Blu-ray. <laughs> exactly. In a hidden menu option. So this is considerably more bitter than I expected it to be. I really, I don't know if it's the peppermint that's doing it, but it feels like there's more hot bitterness there than there should be. Because it made my mouth pucker a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, to me it's less hot bitterness and more just straight out, like, 
deep roast coffee bitterness. Well, yeah, some bitterness there. Yeah, to, to me, it's more in that range. Like a, not like the. It's like a maybe slightly better version. Or no, I think it's probably right in the realm of like a drip Starbucks coffee or something. It's like that kind of burnt. It's like yeah, kind of burnt bitterness. You're right. It's it's a lot like the typical uh, <laughs> Starbucks coffee, and then it has that burnt. Like you walk into Starbucks, it smells yeah. nothing like burnt coffee. Yeah, you exactly. drink one. The remnants, it's just burnt coffee. Right. You're absolutely right. This has got the burnt coffee edge to it, and I'm not really enjoying this. Yeah, that's definitely an acquired. It's an acquired taste. The, the odd thing to me is, I feel like this has more burnt coffee edge to it than their standard Victory by Sea. Um, again, as having just had one of those not that long ago, um, <clears throat> it's re- it's really strange. I, I would have thought this would have been sweeter. Um, and I'll be honest, I feel like the peppermint's getting pretty much totally lost in the burnt flavor. Yeah, for a beer that's not supposed to have, it's supposed to have deep toast, but not being burnt. Mm-hmm. I think this is pretty well burnt. I mean, this is it's got a little nutty front end, a little, a little bit, bit, but it's mostly deep. It's mostly little, deep toast. The burn there is overpowering. Yeah, it really is. That's that's so strange to me. I, I mean, do you do you get any peppermint out of it? Just lightly on the top, but here's the problem: is it ta- it almost takes on compared to when you have the such an, a strong edge and a, almost acidic type yeah. feel to it. It really the the more astringent notes of the peppermint come forward and come. They kind of make like this in contrast with the burnt flavors, like a a soapy. Uh, at least to me, a soapy esque quality. Like if you've ever, you know, like you, as one is wont sure. to do, when you want to clean your insides out, you drain a whole bottle of. When you uh, just drink a bottle of Dawn. Yeah, you just drink a bottle of Dawn. Sure. Yeah. Uh, as your evening cocktail, uh, that's kind of what it tastes like. Except I, I almost think I'd rather drink Dawn. Uh, at least speaking right now. <laughs> now, see, I, I'm not a fan. Uh, you and Travis the Viking are more craft coffee than I am. Um, you know, I drink Newman's Own organic. Yeah, your K uh, cups. K cups. It is Newman's own organic, but it's a K cup. I'm he's not. A, I don't K- go to everything else. He's a K cup guy. We're not just talking um, about coffee. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Um, now you know I'm not a I'm not a Folgers drinker, so I'm a little bit off of that edge. But right. I'm not I'm not as far into the craft as you guys are. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not as offended by the burnt flavoring. Um, <laughs> but it's kind of why I like uh, I like the coffee down the street from a local uh, coffee place. I won't just throw it on the air. But you're just like the women who are going to vote for the women who vote for Trump, as they say. The the, the ladies who <laughs> wear those T-shirts that say uh, "Trump can grab my hoo ha." Right, exactly. Uh, you know things like that. that. That's what you remind me of. You're like I'm... you know they're saying the full word now on TV all the time. Maybe we can say it. I don't uh, know. Maybe we can. I know they can say it on Saturday Night Live, but you know we're still on our hair sure. radio. We're playing to the kids here. We're a show for kids. I heard right wing radio say it. I heard uh, them say it on CNN. White so wing radio. Yeah, white wing radio. So I, I think. If they can say it on CNN and on broadcast air, maybe you can. Maybe, but anyway, maybe, we'll go ahead. Maybe, but we're look. We're, we won't push the envelope. Primarily, we are a show for kids. First and <laughs> that's foremost, true. we adults are our second beers market. for kids. Yeah, beers for kids. That's, that's our push. That's what we're about. That's what we like to push. That's what we do. It's not what we're doing today. No, we're not doing that today. But our primary goal is to push beers on kids. So we're, sure. we're speaking to the youth here. So let's keep it clean. Yeah, the, the youth likes clean, right? The youth the, likes it clean. Isn't that hip? They they would rather rather than be vulgar, use metaphors. I, use I've metaphors. heard I've heard it's hip to be square. I've heard that too. I think that's another modern song. It, there's nothing wrong with you losing <laughs> the news. No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Um, I, I would agree with someone that uh, one of the comments that I'm reading here about this beer. Uh, one of the lower rated comments says uh, the flavor was bitter and roasty with a biting mint presence and dry floral hops. I don't, I don't believe there's a biting mint presence. I believe that the mint presence is uh, lacking, <laughs> but I do agree, bitter and roasty. Um, those would probably be two of my biggest descriptors of this beer. 
it's I, bitter I think, and roasty. I think peppermint is there. It's just, there. It's lightly it's, there. It's there. It's lightly there, but I don't think it's a winning combo at all. I think it's it's totally being swallowed by uh, that to- the, the burnt toast. To I me, I think the peppermint is adding like maybe a cooling feature to it or something. Like it's kind of like an over over the tongue feel, um, but it's not. It's not even as pepperminty as a York peppermint patty. Uh, I know that's sweet, but you know, I, I, I was thinking it'd be in that realm, and it's not even close to that realm. Um, so it's kind of man. Yeah, bitter. Bitter is the is the word of the day here. Now, the the, pro, the a good contrast. I would encourage you to try you at home. All of you scientists, beer scientists like us, all you kids at home, take one of these beers. Rather than just try this, try breathing out on the beer while it's in your mouth. It takes on a different profile, and I think this actually works to its advantage. Now, most people don't take the time. To, I've rarely done this myself. Sure, but you get a different taste palette if you're to, if you were to breathe out while you have some of this peppermint victory at sea in your mouth. It takes on definitely a less burned, more chocolatey. Um, hazily type flavor, sure. And the peppermint actually pokes its head up a little more. I did that same thing, and you know what? I think it fits this description that I've read. It says, "Imagine you brush your teeth with Crest, Crest toothpaste and then drink a coffee porter." It's almost yeah. like that because it gives like an you give like a secondary pepperminty flavor kind of on the top of your tongue, and it feels like I know your teeth don't have taste buds, but it feels like it's on the top of your tongue around your teeth or something, and then you get the coffee taste as the majority on your tongue. Yep, and it coats your mouth, too, um, yeah. and not necessarily a good way because most of that is you're inhaling rather than exhaling, and it's still got that burnt toast flavor. So, yeah. Ratings. Ratings. Go ahead, Mark. Well, name for this beer is definitely Peppermint Patty. Uh, this is uh, just like Peppermint Patty yourself, the character. You don't know why she's called Peppermint Patty. Uh, you expect she had a sweet edge with, a little, with some chocolate to her, but... Uh, she's really just really rough around the edges, and I don't know that I would necessarily want to be friends with her because she's a little too abrasive for me. You can guarantee <laughs> that uh, she is kind of Peppermint Patty's one. When she grows up, she's going to be some sort of Sarah Silverman type character, right? I mean, she seems fun at first, but then you realize she's just talking, tossing out hoo-ha jokes. Just always going to try to be farting, and, even yeah. though it's not funny. And like, look how gross I can be, although I'm kind of hot, too. And I mean, you I think th- that's like a good combo? Don't get me wrong. I think she's funny, but I think yeah. it might wear thin. I don't think you'd want it 24-7. Exactly. If she, if she, if, I don't know Sarah Silverman personally. I know sure. that's a big shocker there. But I would guess <laughs> that if she's, if she's on all the time like that, I would guess it would start to wear down. And what we've seen from Peppermint Patty in those documentaries that we get a few times a year... Uh, is that Peppermint Patty's always like that. She, sure. She's a foul mouth. She's burned around the edges. She lives life hard. She doesn't bother to make herself up. She wears a, a black shorts and a green t-shirt every single day. So basically you're saying Sarah, Sarah Silverman is the real-life Peppermint Patty. Uh, sort of, sort of. Okay. But I, I, I find it weird that you're saying that Peppermint Patty's not real. Like, she's just a fiction of my imagination that maybe I'm just seeing on TV. And I, I sir, find offense to that. The non-animated version. How's that? Yeah, okay. The real Peppermint Patty, yeah. She's the one with, like, skin and, like, human yeah. human features. right. Yeah. She lives on Dowdy Ferry. Right. Uh, so I, I that's why I call it Peppermint Patty. It's, it's a lot of edge to it without being very sweet. Uh, you know Peppermint Patty's going to beat you up, and this beer is Pepper really... Peppermint Patty is Peppermint Patty's Pepper- relative. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Aunt Peppermint Patty. <laughs> uh, anyways, this beer beats you up in a lot of ways. I, I think, it, for me, it's it's not pepperminty enough. I think if you want to make a peppermint beer, I think, and I hate to be a homer here, uh, you know, uh, a local fanboy, but Lakewood Sin Mint is a damn good representation of a beer that combines mint and chocolatey notes. Uh, I think so far of, of those types of beers, it's the best one I've had. Um, the the overpowering here, it's like if I were to, if I had accidentally left a piece of toast in a toaster oven, not even a full toaster, but an old school toaster oven, 
and I had left it unburned and not realized that uh, I forgot to set the timer, didn't go off, and I came back 30 minutes later, and I had to scrape, scrape, scrape the just, black char off my piece of toast dish to try to resurrect it, because it's my last piece of bread, and I just got a little bit of butter, and I'm going to have some breakfast, damn it. That's what it's kind of like. Because you know Mark wouldn't have a regular toaster. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm all the way old school toaster oven. Right. My friend. And it's like scraping the ashy flakes off that burnt piece of toast and just trying to salvage it with a little bit of butter, which in this case is peppermint. Doesn't work for me. Too harsh on the edge. Uh, I can't compare it to the regular Victory C, but I'm going to compare it to other stouts I've had. Very disappointed. Not well-rounded. Too sharp. Too astringent. 2.5 out of 5. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Okay, so Ballast Point. Uh, I was excited to do Ballast Point just because they're one of the old school breweries. Uh, they've been, you know, I say old school. All these breweries that popped up in the '80s, '90s era, and they've been around a while. I've had, I've had good experience with. Um, so I was looking forward to this. Um, so was I. So was I. I like their, I like their regular Victory by Sea. Fine. Um, it's not my favorite porter, but I like it fine. Um, and obviously the Sculpin. Sculpin's a nice. It's a nice little IPA that you can find in a lot of places. That's, I think, better than something like Lagunitas. If you had to just go with some of these commonly found popular IPAs, I would take a Ballast Point IPA over over that. So I'm definitely not, I'm not anti-Ballast Point at all, um, just to set that perspective up. Um, I like their Big Eye uh, IPA as well. On the, the IPA front, again, uh, as I've said many times, obviously I'm more of an IPA fan than any other style. Um, so I think that actually leans, leads more, uh, lends, excuse me, more credit to my opinion on the fact that they are a pretty solid, uh, brewery because I try IPAs everywhere I go. That's my brag. Oh, don't claim that's, like, um, that's your, your whole soapbox moment there that you're the guy that does IPAs. Well, I'm just saying of, of the styles, that's my thing that I try everywhere. Like I'm going to go for someone's IPA over anything first. Um, I'm not saying that you don't like IPAs, but I think you're more of a Porter guy. I thought you were more of a Flemish Porter guy. You're, not, uh, you're now claiming that you're an IPA guy, but you're saying Flemish Porter. Well, you're more of a Kolsch guy, but you don't ever talk about that on air. True. So you know those are our hey, hit, those are our hidden things. You know, it's like it's like Hillary said. Sometimes you have to have a private face when it comes to beer governing, and you have to have a public face. And like, right. you're, you're more of a Flemish guy. I'm more of a Kolsch guy. <laughs> but look, we I'm talking about our public faces. But look, I know we need to be. I mean, I'm sorry to pull back the curtain here. Uh, if I need to send out some secret emails to Russians so they can send them to the <laughs> government, I will. But uh, our public faces that were populous, and yes, yes, Dustin drinks IPAs, quote-unquote. He's an IPA guy, as it were, quote-unquote. Sure, we'll go with that. Uh, follow me on Untapped, and you'll uh, see. I think we need to take a drug test before every show. See <laughs> okay. who's really on what here. I, I, you're barely limping to the finish line here. That being said, all of that aside, um, this was not... This was a beer I was looking forward to, and this was not what i wanted it to be at all uh i was really looking forward to uh you know a subtly sweet chocolatey uh a little bit of nutty type beer uh I, i'd like to agree with you and say i think lakewood has tackled this uh, genre a lot better um that's not my favorite beer either but they did a good job with it um and i think a lot of that has to do with the fact that the temptress is a better imperial stout base than victory by sea is um anyway and, but the other thing is they actually added enough mint in the send mint to make it noticeable. <laughs> right. Um, I, I'd like to agree with Air Force Hops guy on uh, Rate Beer and say I do feel like this is brushing your teeth with a minty toothpaste and then drinking a coffee porter. Yep. And a bitter coffee porter think, at that. I think that is definitely the best description that I've heard of this <laughs> beer in my limited experience reading comments on websites about beer. Exactly. So I agree with him. I think that's what it is. I'm um, disappointed. I uh, don't hate it as much as Marcus does, which is surprising because this is more his genre. Uh, he's, the, he's the porter guy. Um, but I'm still going to – that also makes him harsher on it probably. So 
Uh, he is the elitist coffee guy, too. So you have both of those things working against it. Um, as someone that's not as elitist, I don't mind the burnt taste as much, but I'm also very disappointed in the peppermint, the amount of peppermint that's in here. Um, they're promoting it as a special limited variant with peppermint, so it should be noticeably different than the other one. Not noticeably different, too subtle, still too burnt, more burnt tasting than the regular Victory by C. So I give it a 2.75 out of 5. Giving us a final score of... I think we definitely, when you compare it to, I don't even know if we talked about this, the rate beer and the untapped scores, I think we definitely came out on the low end of those because Beer Advocate gives it a 90, rate beer gives it a 97 overall, and untapped gives it a 3.77. We're below all those by a great (laughs) deal. I, I think we're... Yeah, we're pretty counter to uh, to what everyone else is saying about that, and I think you're right. I don't think we did cover those. Um, yeah, three point seven seven. Anything over three point five, I expect to be decent. Yeah, um, over four, I expect to be really good. So, and I find it hard to call this. I, I mean, I hate to say it again. I was looking forward to this as well, but I hard, I find it hard to call this beer decent. Um, it's okay. Uh, it's okay for maybe a, one tiny sample of it, but I can't... I, I think I can give it decent, and that's as far as I can yeah, go. Yeah, that's about as far... Yeah. <laughs> if you're breathing out on the beer, it's actually pretty good, but if you're breathing yeah. in, as we usually do, breathing. If, you, if you like to breathe, <laughs> then you're going to get those coffee mixed with toothpaste, toothpaste notes. Thank you, Air Force Hops guy on the <laughs> beer advocate, wherever you were. Uh, rate beer. Rate beer. Yes. Yes, total apt comparison, so... Anyways, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for uh, listening to the Rootblods. If you're not subscribed to the show, you should be. It comes to you every week just for free. There's no cost involved. Just helps you ensure that you get the show every single week. Just go to brewbloods.net for all the links for that. Uh, we do have another podcast that we do on occasion called The Break Room. You can find the links for that at breakroom.tv. It is a lot more adult and not as targeted for kids as this show is. And so. not regular at all. You never know when it's going to show up. Yeah, this is this is Romper Room. That's more Playboy Mansion. <laughs> right. Back, back before it became a... Not another Maxim style. It's more of a funhouse show. You know? Yeah, this is this is TV funhouse type show. Sure. Uh, thanks for Stefan for his uh, help on all the educational segments. Leave us review iTunes. We would appreciate uh, you're welcome, it. Mark. You're very welcome. And you can check us in all the social networks on Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and the occasional Snapchat. Very occasional. If you have any feedback on the show, email us at brewbloodshow at gmail You can call us four six nine five seven three beer. That's four six nine five seven three two three three seven. Or you can find us on Reddit, reddit.com slash r slash brewbloods. So, for Dustin and Mark. For Mark, I'm Dustin. Probst. Jeff Probst. <laughs>